Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Do you, like our Heavenly Father, have a genuine desire to see everyone in your life truly saved, truly forgiven of their sin, and to go to heaven when they die? Do you have a genuine desire to see everyone come to a knowledge of the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and earth and without him only eternal hell awaits? Let's open our Bible now to 1 Timothy chapter 2 that we may be encouraged and have a greater desire for everyone in the world to come to a deeper knowledge of the truth in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. Man, it's a glorious Saturday morning here in Texas and uh whew, we got a we got a big winter winter storm coming in here in Texas. It's uh golly on uh you know, on Monday it's supposed to be 6 degrees. Man, so uh thank you Lord Jesus. Um golly, it's just a good morning. The sun is shining. We got it's about about 40 degrees right now, so it's not so bad. And uh, we're here in the studio, Stephen and I. It's just a it's an exciting time to be talking about Jesus. We're in the second chapter of Timothy now, and the plan is to do verses one to seven. And so, wow, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you for the scriptures, Father. We thank you that we have a Bible. We thank you that we have the living word of God to feed and nourish our spirit and our soul. Father, we thank you for this book of First Timothy, Lord. We thank you for leading Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul, to, to write this pastoral letter to Timothy. And we thank you for all that we can glean and learn and understand and emulate in this book. Father, above all, as always, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you, we thank you, and we praise you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes to see, ears that hear, and hearts that truly understand, that we may know Jesus better, that we may please him more and more by obeying him more and more in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Paul says to Timothy, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. Wow, good stuff. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so these are these are very, very, very profound verses, extremely important verses, and and by all appearance, very, very clear verses. These in no way seem to be verses that are difficult to understand, but there is immense theological debate in the church amongst the different systematics. And it's one of the reasons that I really believe a systematic theology can be very detrimental to us. A systematic theology is a, is a system, a framework through which we read and understand the scriptures. And although certainly it can be an aid in certain ways, it can be a, it can be a, a tremendous problem that keeps us from just taking the word of God, the Bible, on its face, okay? Meaning, when we stand before Jesus, there can be little doubt that the scripture will mean exactly what it says. And when you read the scripture, okay, you and I and, and everyone in the world ought to be able to read the scripture and take it for its plain, unambiguous meaning without having to strain it through some systematic of Arminianism, uh, Calvinism, or provisionism, right? And I'm not saying one is better than the other. That's not the point of this right now, okay? Obviously, all the Arminians think their systematic is the best. The Calvinists think their systematic is the best. And the provisionists certainly think their systematic is the best. And I've even listed those in alphabetical order, right? So as to, to say, that's not the point, okay? Um, I do believe that systematics very probably do a little more harm than they do good. They do some good in dealing with, with very difficult scriptures, hard to, to deal with scriptures, scriptures that aren't plain. The systematics certainly can, can be an aid, right, in dealing with those scriptures. But the problem is, you know, when we, when we want to, when we want to, to take very obvious scriptures like this one, which is obvious and plain and unambiguous, and we want to change it and adapt it to the scriptures that are not obvious and plain. And again, oftentimes this is what, what you know, the different systematics can do with the different scriptures. And so Paul says in verse one, I urge then, first of all, that requests prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, okay? The word everyone there in the Greek, okay? That's what it means. It means everyone, all people, everywhere, all human beings alive today, okay? That's what that means, okay? Now, he's specifically going to say in verse 2, for kings and all those in authority, okay? So we ought to also be praying for our government leaders, Okay, um, this is something that that the average Christian and the average churchgoer, um, this is something we do extremely poorly as a church. Okay, um, you know, as Bible believing Christians, okay, as Christians, we ought to be men and women of God politically that stand on the word of God. Okay, we don't stand on politics. Okay, we stand on the scriptures. Okay, we ought to be voting according to the word of God and the son of God. 
Okay, that's how we, we ought to be voting. Okay, but whether we're Democrat, whether Republican, whether we're independent, okay, we ought to be earnestly praying for our political leaders. Okay, so again, we ought to be praying right now for President Biden. We ought to be earnestly praying uh, for Vice President Kamala Harris. Um, we ought to be praying for our governors in, in whatever state we live in. We ought to be uh, praying for our, our congressmen and congresswomen. Um, you know, there are 435 members of the House of Representatives in Washington. We ought to be praying for them. There are 100 senators, okay? Every state has two senators. We have 50 states. There's 100 senators, okay? We ought to be praying for them, okay? I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, and we ought to be praying for everyone else. So right now, we can step back and say, you know, what kind of prayer life do we have? In studying this and, uh, you know, in our in the leadership at Kingdom Discipleship, there's there's eight of us. Um, and, you know, as men and, 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 you know, we've been encouraged, our senior elder Tom encouraged us to to really be praying more specifically for the needs, you know, of each of us. Right. And so, again, we ought to have a vibrant prayer life when he says that, first of all, requests prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. All of these things come under the, the overall heading of prayer. Uh, intercession, requests, thanksgiving are all part of the conduit of prayer. Our prayer ought to, to in, include requests, okay? Requests, and that, that certainly means we are to go before the Lord and request and ask for the things that, that you know, the blessings and the wants and needs that we have, okay? But not just for ourselves, for everyone, Paul says. And then he's going to specifically men uh, mention those who are, who are in, in government leadership, right? Again, we should be praying for our leaders. It doesn't mean we agree with them. We certainly ought not slander them. We certainly ought not speak ill of them. We can say we, we earnestly disagree with the policies. We disagree with, um, you know... That, that policies that government enacts or certain administrations enact that are not biblical, that are not plain, but we ought not malign people, okay? It's not the will of God that we speak poorly or speak evil of our political leaders, even when that's not our party that's in power, okay? I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession. Intercession is, is when... You're praying, but you're praying not for yourself and your own needs. You're interceding on behalf of others, okay? How much of your prayer life is intercession on behalf of others? And thanksgiving be made for everyone. Your prayer life ought to, ought to include times of praise and thanksgiving and worship. All of these things come under a healthy prayer life, okay? How much time do you spend in thanksgiving? I was... I was telling my wife this morning that, you know, that that we really never get to a place of genuine gratitude. Gratitude is a state of being, right? Gratitude and what I called it this morning, it just came into my mind, is a settled thankfulness. It's a thankfulness that's tangible and remains to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ, our Lord, and to the Holy Spirit on a consistent basis, day by day by day by day by day. Now, many of us are thankful when something goes our way, when the Lord blesses us, when the Lord answers our prayers, 
when when something happens in our life, whether it be physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, or relationally, when, when something goes the way we like it, we are thankful. But I was sharing with my wife today, and uh, I was talking again to Tom, the senior elder of the ministry, that that how how quickly that thankfulness can fade, right? And and we move on to thinking about the next thing or being concerned about the next problem or, you know, praying over the next situation. And so we have very little settled thankfulness. Settled, meaning there is a, a genuine thankfulness to our triune God, right, that goes on, you know, day by day, week by week, month by month, right? It's easy just to, to, to be looking and being concerned about, you know, all the different things that keep coming up in our lives, right? I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. That's not ambiguous, right? Pray for everybody, okay? So let's expand our prayer life. But then verse two, he gets specific. For kings and all those in authority, why? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, again, I'll say something here. Again, it's good for us as Christians. We need to vote. It's our responsibility. We need to be voting based on the word of God. We need to, to be voting for candidates that, that hold Jesus Christ in high esteem and hold the word of God in high esteem. And obviously not just by their, their, their words, but by their actions as well. Okay. Um, we need to vote the word of God and the son of God. Okay. Um, and we need to be in prayer you know, for our spiritual leaders, that number one, they would come to truly know, not our, I mean, our governmental leaders, that they would come to truly know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they'd be saved, that they'd be delivered from sin, the wrath of God the Father, that they'd be delivered from eternal hell, that they would receive salvation in Jesus Christ. We need to be praying for our uh, political leaders. Um, you know, but we need to do it, he says, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and submission. So again, we are not to be rabble rousers, okay? Christians are not called to cause uprisings, okay? Christians are not called to be rebellious, okay? Christians are not called to, to, to cause problems, Okay, now absolutely, as Christians, we are not to obey anything the government tells us that's contrary to the scriptures. But when you look around the world, really there's no government in the world for the most part that commands you to do something contrary to the scriptures. Certainly in the United States, there's nothing this government is making you do that's inconsistent with the Bible. Okay, the government is not forcing you. And in almost any country in the world, you couldn't really say that the country forces you to disobey the Bible. There are countries that certainly, um, you know, do not hold Jesus Christ as the son of God, God, the son, and where you'd be persecuted for sharing the gospel. But for living an obedient life to Christ, there, there are literally no countries that are going to persecute you. Now, if you go out and evangelize boldly, yes. You could receive persecution. There's no doubt of that. But the point is, our prayer for our government leaders is so as Christians, we could live lives of godliness and holiness as we grow as disciple of Jesus Christ 
and help others to grow, okay? So again, as a rule, we are not to be, as Christians, we're not supposed to be causing problems. We're not supposed to be the ones that that are obnoxious, right? And, and, and making more problems. That's not what we should be doing. Now, at the same time, there is a time for us certainly to take a stand when the when government is is stepping over the, the boundary line and, and trying to force us to do things that are inconsistent with the word of God and the son of God. And as I said, those are rare, but certainly we do need to take a stand there. But as a rule, okay, we need to be cooperative with the government. Okay, we need to pray for the government. We need to obey the laws of our government, right? And we need to set an example of what it means to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Because look at verse three, this is good and pleases God our savior, okay? This, this pleases our heavenly father. This pleases our Lord Jesus Christ. This pleases the Holy Spirit. This is good and pleases our God our savior. What's good? Our prayer for everyone is good. Our, our thanksgiving, our intercession is good for everyone, okay, interceding. Our requests, when we're asking for things for ourselves and others, is good and pleases God our Savior. When we're praying for, for kings and all those in authority, when we're praying for, for government leaders, for those who, you know, have been elected in the United States or appointed in other countries, it's pleasing to, to Jesus when we pray for them. Obviously, when we pray for them that they would come to know Christ, and govern in a biblical and Christ-centered way. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, and especially that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Above all, this is what's good and pleases God, our Savior. Verse two, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. Again, meaning we're not causing problems, that, that, that we're bringing peace to a situation in Christ. We're not compromising the truth um, at all, but when we do speak the truth, we do speak the truth in love, right? Speaking the truth in love, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think that's Ephesians 4.15. Uh, Stephen will have it up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Um, and, you know, it's pleasing to our Heavenly Father when we live peaceful and quiet lives in growing godliness and holiness. Look at verse four. Who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So again, here it is. This couldn't be more plain. Just as sure as it says there ought to be prayer for everyone. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. This means exactly what it says. Okay. And this is what I was talking about in the beginning, how when you have a different systematic and you have to force every scripture into the systematic, we can come up with, with really sad and pitiful things in order to make different verses fit our systematic. And again, I'm not saying one is better than the other. OK, I'm sure all the systematics have some things that are very good. There could be no question that every one of them has things that are out of place. And the problem is that we can't get along, okay? In the three systematics that I named, Arminianism, Calvinism, Provisionism, and those are certainly the main ones, right? Um, you know, each one would, would, you know, would claim that they certainly 
have the biggest hold on the truth. And we certainly lack humility when we pound the table for our own systematic. And what we ought to be able to agree on is that the single most important thing that we can do as teachers, as ministers, as Bible students, as scholars, um, as theologians, is, is to let the scripture speak. Just, just let the scripture speak. Just teach what's there. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Of course he does. Of course our Heavenly Father wants all men, and this means humanity, wants all men and women to be saved. Okay, 2 Peter 3.9 says it's, it's, it's God's will that no man or woman perish and go to, go to hell, but, but for every single person to come to repentance, right? This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, right? So again, his desire is that every single man and woman in the world, all eight billion people in the world, he desires to receive the forgiveness of sins, deliverance from his wrath, and deliverance from an eternity in hell by lovingly humbling themselves before Jesus and receiving him as their only Lord and Savior, right? That's just the plain, obvious rendering of the text. Right now, you're probably listening to all this and saying, I don't know what's so complicated here. Right. But again, it's kind of an in-house thing as Christians and those of us who, who do have a passion for doctrine. You know, everything isn't everything. So we, we need to get back to, again, just allowing the scripture to speak. OK, there are systematics that, that, that change the plain meaning of this text, regrettably to fit their systematic, instead of just letting it speak, instead of saying, yes, it means exactly what it says here. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Okay, of, of course he does. Okay, you should want all people in the world to be saved from their sin, delivered from eternal hell, and to come into a knowledge of the truth, first for salvation, and then to come into a deeper knowledge of the truth as disciples of Jesus Christ, okay? So the plain meaning of this, okay, is that our Heavenly Father desires all people to be saved. Now, all people won't be saved, okay? This is not, you know, this is not in, you know, the, the perfect, quote, will of God, where there is a, a will of our Heavenly Father that he imposes that is going to come to pass, okay? So here, you know, Christ gave his life on behalf of all humanity, okay? He has, quote, made provision for all humanity, right? And he desires now that, that all humanity would come to him and of their free will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's obviously the simplest, right, most intuitive, most logical meaning of the text. And again, that's how we want to read it. Now, again, to their credit, the diff different systematics will find other scriptures, okay, that will speak to the fact that, you know, 
um, you know, why is it that some people do come to Jesus and they understand the gospel when they hear it and, and they're able to humble themselves and put their faith in Christ? And why is it other people seemingly no matter how many times you share the gospel, uh, they seem impervious to it? And these are valid questions. OK, so as I said, there is there uh, certainly we're going to find that there are truths when we stand in heaven in each of the systematics, okay? Um, but for sure, this says that our Heavenly Father wants all men to be saved. It's the plain, it's just what the words say. It's unambiguous. That should be your heart and that should be my heart. And that can only happen when they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It says he wants them to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now you can't be saved unless you come to the knowledge of the truth that you are a fallen, sinful, helpless, hopeless, desperate, hell-bound sinner, and you need saving. You need rescuing. I need saving. I need rescuing. That can only happen if we put our full faith and confidence in Jesus alone to rescue us, to save us, to deliver us, to forgive us, to, 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 to take our sin, right? to pay the price for our sin at the cross. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that perfect righteous life he lived when he lived on earth for 33 and a half years, that life is credited to us as if we actually lived it. We didn't, but when we receive Jesus, our Heavenly Father accounts to us the perfect righteous life of Christ and accounts or credits all of our individual sin, past, present, and future, to Jesus at the cross. That exchange, that incredible exchange is the very heart and foundation of the Christian gospel. He wants everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And as believers in Jesus, we ought to grow in deeper and deeper knowledge of the truth. That's why we do these Bible studies. That's why we do these teachings is so that we can grow in deeper knowledge of the truth of who Jesus is and, and in growing that we, we obey him more and in as much please him more, right? Verse five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. This is important. One God, okay? Uh, you know, our God is one God, one being, three distinct separate individual persons. We do have a triune God. No, that word is not in the scriptures, but from, from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation, we can see that we have a God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Again, one being, three separate distinct individual persons. And in Jesus Christ, you have relationship with each member of the Trinity. And our lives are about growing in that relationship growing to know our father better, growing to know his love better, growing to love him more. The same with growing to know Jesus better, our Lord, and growing to know his love more, growing to know the Holy Spirit better, growing to, to love the Holy Spirit more, growing to be led by the Holy Spirit more, right? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. There is no way that we can approach God or God the Father, okay, without Jesus. For there is one God and one mediator, okay? There's just, there, there's, there is only one God. So whatever your religion is in the world, call it what you want. But as long as there's one God and one mediator between God and men, 
the man Christ Jesus. So you could see Jesus's humanity here. It was in him becoming a man, God the Son, the Son of God, actually taking on humanity, adding humanity to his deity, that, that he was able to be the mediator, okay? When he died on the cross as a man, he lived a perfect life as a man, he died in our place. He was punished in our place. He was judged in our place. And then raised from the dead. And in that place, he is the only way. Okay? So again, only in biblical, Christ-centered Christianity can we know truly who God is as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. For the scripture says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Look at verse 6 who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. Okay, so there it is again. Uh, who gave himself, Christ Jesus gave himself for who? For, for all men. Again, it's, it's plain. It's not ambiguous, okay? And so again, you don't need a systematic to understand that scripture. All the 8.3 billion people in the world ought to be able to read that and say that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all humanity, for all men and women, the testimony given in its proper time. It happened when Jesus became a man at the perfect time in human history, and we ought to testify to it. Verse 7, Paul says, and for this purpose, I was appointed a herald. A herald is just a proclaimer and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. It's interesting when Paul, Paul uses this statement in several of his letters. I am not lying. All this is true. The Bible is true. Jesus is real and true. This is not a lie. Nothing that's written in the scriptures is a lie. The man who wrote this letter is telling you, Okay, Jesus appeared to him from heaven in Acts 9. Okay, he was persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians. He was forcing them to blaspheme and reject Jesus. And in Acts 9, Jesus appears to him, right? Knocks him off his high horse. The scripture says he fell to the ground, blinds him, restores his sight a few days later, right? And you, the worst persecutor of the Christians becomes the greatest Christian to ever live. He went on to write half the New Testament. Paul says, for this purpose, right? Uh, you know, the purpose of all that God the Father has done in Jesus Christ our Lord. And for this purpose, for what Jesus has done, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. A herald, one to proclaim the gospel. An apostle, apostle means one who is sent to proclaim the gospel, okay? I am telling the truth I am not lying. So again, that's an important phrase. I am telling the truth. We can believe this with certainty. It is true. Everything written, not only in this chapter, not only in this book, but all the 27 books in the New Testament, 39 books of the Old Testament is real. It's true. I am not lying. And a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. Paul, Paul was going to the Jews. The Jews consistently rejected it. So finally, he focused his ministry on Gentiles, which is anyone who is not Jewish. I've said this before. If you're not of Jewish descent, if you're not of Hebrew descent, if you're if you're you know, if your descendants don't come from from Israel. Right. If you're not Jewish, then everyone else is a Gentile. OK, I would be a Gentile. Mm. 
and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles, the true faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that our God, the Son of God, God the Son Jesus, became a human man, lived a perfect righteous life on behalf of all the world, of all humanity, died a torturous death on the cross on behalf of all men and women, all humanity, and has been raised from the dead. And if you will simply believe that, if you believe that that's true, John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you humbled yourself and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you, quote, bowed the knee to Jesus? You can simply do it now. You can simply pray, Lord Jesus, I, I know that I'm a hopeless, helpless, desperate sinner. I know, Lord, that I deserve an eternity in hell. But Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I do believe you came into this world and lived the perfect righteous life even for me. I believe you died a torturous death on the cross even for me. And I do believe you're alive and risen. And I do ask you to come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone. And you alone, Lord Jesus, to be my everlasting Lord and God. Father, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this book of Timothy, Father. We do pray, Father, that, that all those in our government, Lord, that everyone in the world would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, we worship you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.